So this morning we, we are looking at uh, 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 21. 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 21. You'll find the words behind me if you've got them with you or they'll be in front of you on screen. Um, before we read, let's pray. Father, as we calm ourselves, and as we breathe deeply, we pray, Spirit, that you would that you would open us up so that we might hear a word from you. Amen. First John chapter 4, starting at verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Just, just stop right there and think about the astounding thing that those words mean. I mean, we like to put all sorts of conditions on, on people who are supposed to know God. They're supposed to know the right things. They're supposed to think the right things, behave in the right way. And, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. That is absolutely astounding. Let's keep going. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. This is how we know we live in Him and He in us. He's given us of His Spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love of God, the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. 
We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he's given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. We'll go that far. That's the stuff right there. That is the stuff right there. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. He has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. I have a brother and I have a sister. An older sister, a younger brother. There's this, there's this thing that happens in John, the story about Jesus that John wrote. Um, and Jesus is doing some teaching and, and uh, um, the people respond by saying, this is a hard teaching. Everyone who loves God must also love his brother and sister. I, this is a hard teaching. See, I have a brother and sister, and I can sort of say that this is hard because they're not here, and uh, I can make fun of them like that. But here's the deal. Whenever, whenever I read these words from 1 John, there's something about them that it feels foundational for me. Like there's something about these words that feel like they ought to form the thing that's underneath everything we say and everything we do around here. Like these words ought to be foundational. Like this is DNA level stuff right here. And whenever I start thinking about foundational things, I start thinking about when we first started Renew, before we officially started this whole thing that we're doing here, this endeavor. I remember us, some of you were here. Uh, there are not many of us left, but some of you were here when we started this whole thing. We met in these little small rooms off the sanctuary at the ridge down in Ankeny, and we were talking and dreaming and planning and praying and learning and wondering and visioning together about the kind of community that God wanted us to be. And at some point, I don't remember exactly how it happened, we came we came to discover it felt like what, what God wanted us to be, who God wanted us to be, our identity. And so we came up with this, this mission statement. We are Renew Community, following Jesus to renew lives that renew the world. And the way in which we live that out is we connect people with God, we connect people with the world, and we connect people in with one another. And we felt like if we lived into that DNA, that we live, if we lived into it well enough, we would become what Jesus calls fruitful people. We would bear much fruit. We hoped that our lives would be transformed and renewed and changed, and we would sort of become agents of transformation with God as God renews the world. And we've experienced some of that around here over the years, and I really like that. 
connecting people up with God, in with one another, out with the world. So I want to spend just a few moments thinking about those three things. Uh, and then we're going, to hang, we're going to hang around the in thing together. First, this connection with God, what's it all about? It's worship. It's bowing down. It's a, a releasing of our life together and our lives into the life of God. It's an immersion of our hearts into the heart of God. It's a letting go of sorts. It's a letting go of, of ourselves and our expectations and allowing God to just be God. And it seems like when we do that, miraculously, God meets us where we are. None of us is perfect, but God meets us in that place, offers forgiveness, healing, transformation in our lives. God wants to be the center of everything we do here, the hub of the wheel that holds the spokes together. God wants to be our ultimate concern, our singular passion, but what's the foundational thing there? It's love. Love that God has for us and love of God. And then there's this out piece. It's mission. It's service. It's, it's community, world, transformation. Like worship, it is a letting go. With God, we give ourselves to the world. It's a realization because of what God has done for us. We are now caught up in something much, much bigger than just ourselves here. It's a joining with God and making that it, what in the world is wrong, making it right again. Transformation. It's taking that which is broken and making it whole again. There's this idea of restoration, putting things back together again. It's, re, it's joining with God for the renewal of all things. But what's foundational there? What's underneath it all? It's loving the world. Right? Which brings us to this other piece, this in thing. What's this all about? It's community. It's relationship. It's understanding that we, at our core, were made for others. We were made for relationships. It's, an, it's like this unconditional acceptance of others, like worship and mission, it too. It's a letting go. There's a lot of letting go in this. It's a giving of ourselves to each other. But what's foundational here? Loving one another. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Loving one another. Let's hang out here and think about it a little more deeply. We human beings, we weren't meant to be alone. We were made for community. You've heard this before. In fact, my dad just preached a whole sermon on it five weeks ago. Anybody remember what he said? He does. <laughs> the rest of them, it's gone. We understand that. It's fine. It's fine. That's why we repeat things. Right? That's why we say things over and over. So you can find this idea that we were made for relationship. We were made for connection. You can find this in the first chapters of the Bible, Genesis 1 and 2. It's almost as if the authors were like, okay, this is a foundational thing. This is such an important thing. We got to put it at the beginning because by chapter 3, they're falling asleep. So let's make sure that they get this, right? So God creates the first human being, Adam, from the dust of the earth. Then God steps back and looks at that first human being and, like, and is like, something's not quite right here. Something's not 
not the way that I want it to be. It is not good for Adam to be alone. So he puts the, the first human being to sleep, takes out a rib and creates the first woman. So you've got, you've got the first two are better than one connection. You've got the first family. You've got the first relationship. You've got the first community right there. We were made for community, made for relationships. It's like it's in our DNA. It's that base level. We were all created for this. And we know this too, right? We feel this in the deepest parts of ourselves, in our bones. Who likes to feel lonely? Anyone? No one likes the feeling of loneliness. In fact, Mother Teresa said that loneliness is humanity's greatest poverty. And she knew poverty. She didn't say it exactly like that. That's my way of saying what she said. She knew poverty. She took a vow of poverty. She had literally basically nothing. So she knows what it's like to live in poverty. And she says humanity's greatest poverty is loneliness. We feel that. We want to be with others. We want to be in relationship with other people. We feel it in our bones. You know, family is just another word for community. And there have been all kinds of studies on this. You can just Google it if you want. Uh, it's all over. You'll find all kinds of studies. And all of these studies continue to show that family, connection, relationships, is rated as the greatest source of happiness in the lives of people. When adults were asked to rate five different aspects of their lives, relationships, health, personal fulfillment, financial status, leisure activity, guess which was number one? Relationships with others is consistently ranked as the number one aspect contributing factor to the quality of life as we make our way through this world. Why is that? We want family. We want deep connection. We want relationships. We want friendships. We want to know people. We want to be known. We want to, we want to know that somebody's got our back because we were made that way. It's in our DNA. Think about the first thing that Jesus did when he started doing his thing in and around Galilee. The first thing before he started healing people, before he started doing all his miracles, before he started doing all of his teaching, what did he do? He found a bunch of fools and said, hey, come, follow me. He gathered a community of people around himself. Twelve people, sort of representing the twelve tribes of Israel. A new Israel, a new community. And he taught them how to live together. Taught them how to love one another. Taught them how to get along well and live together. Right? But none of this should surprise us. That's the first thing he did. And none of it should surprise us because relationship, community, is central to our theology because God is love. That's what John says in two places. God is love, and love is impossible without community, without relationship, without connection.
Let's think about love for a minute. Jason, can we put that scripture up, up there? Now, we're going to read together uh, a, a familiar passage. And here's the deal. I think we've done maybe a disservice to these words that we're about to all read together. Um, because we think about them within the context of romantic love. We think about them within the context of marriage. It's where it's usually read. That's where we live into these words. But I want you to think about these words as we read them out loud and speak them into the air. I want you to think about them in the context of this community. I want you to think about them in the context of, of this community and, and what this community means to the world. Okay, are you ready? Let's read these words together. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. Always hopes. Always perseveres. Love never fails. Think about that within the context of this community. It's a, a foundational thing. What if that's the thing that governed our lives? What if that's the thing that governed our politics? What if that's the thing that governed our life together? The way we do things with and for one another. Love, it has this emptying quality to it. It has this self-giving quality to it. It has this self-sacrificing quality to it, a giving away constantly. One philosopher says that the creation of the world is the, the first act of God's love that we are aware of. Oh my goodness, I love this. When God created the world, when God created the universe, that was the moment that God emptied himself of being everything so that the universe could be something. That was the moment God emptied himself of being everything so that the universe could be something. How deep is that? And of course, when God restored God's relationship with the world, there was another show of God's love. Because when a relationship is broken, only the injured party can repair that relationship because only the injured one can forgive. This is how God shows his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice 
for our sins. That's what love is. It's an emptying. It's a sacrifice. It's a self-giving. That's who we are. The gathered church, the gathered people of God, that's who we are meant to be. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Jesus said the world would know that we belong to him because we know all the right things about God and we believe them and we check boxes. God, Jesus said they'll know that we belong to him because of love. Because of love for one another and love for the world. Problem is, church isn't always that good at it. Oh, you could go on and on about this. We're not all that good for it. At it and we, we <laughs> more and more, this is being revealed to us, especially over the last six, eight, ten years. We could probably go back 30, 40 years and go, woof. We're seeing things now we hadn't seen before. We haven't been known for our love. Leonard Sweet makes an interesting connection between the church and the healthcare system here in the United States. And I kind of want to work with this comparison. Uh, so uh, about 13, 14 years ago, Renee broke her toe. Um, you thought I was going to talk about last week. Now I'm going to talk about it this week. She broke her toe. And I won't tell you the whole, the whole story around it, but I get a call. Uh, it wasn't good. I had to rush home. And there was Renee on the floor. Her toe is broken. It's a bloody mess. Like, y'all would have been like, ew. And then, so we had to rush her to the emergency room, right? We got to the emergency room. By the way, Samuel, I don't know how old he was, but he did some, hero four years old, did some heroic phone calling back then. It's fantastic. Found mom's phone, brought it. So he's the real hero of the story. Anyway, we get to the hospital. We get to the hospital. It's, her toe is a bloody mess. Um, we are panicked. I'm sure our faces were red. We were shaking. We didn't know what to do. And what was the first thing? What was the first question we heard? It wasn't, oh man, you beat me to it. Stop doing that. It wasn't how, what's the matter? What's wrong? Where are you hurt? Are you okay? Can you breathe? Are you alive? It was, do you have an insurance card? Right? They wanted to make sure that we had all our ducks in a row. They wanted to make sure that we were living the right kind of life, that we were covered. Do you have insurance? Do you have an insurance card? And often when people walk into places like this, some of the first things that get communicated to them are questions like these. Are you living the right kind of life? Do you believe the right things. Are we on the same team? It's your politics. What do you think about the deity of Christ? Do you think Jesus is God? What about the virgin birth? What's your stance on the LGBTQ community? Do you behave well? What's your morals? Do you have your life together? Those are the things that get communicated often. But instead, they should be hearing things like this. How can we love you? Where are you hurting? 
How can we help heal that hurt? Where is, where is your deepest pain? How can we help soothe that pain? That self-giving, self-emptying, unconditional acceptance kind of love ought to be communicated to people when we're out there walking around in the world, and most especially when they walk through these doors, that's the first thing that ought to be communicated. Love. Renew community, you got that kind of love. You do. You feel it when you walk through these doors, and I love it. I mean, I think about the people we have here. I think about the decision that we made a year and a half ago that we're going to be open, welcoming, affirming place. That was a costly thing. That was a costly thing. And yet, here you are. You're here. We had hard conversations together. And they were beautiful conversations together. And here you are. Love was the thing that guided that decision. Love was the foundational thing underneath it all. And love endures because we are still here. Remember that. We can't lose that kind of love. We cannot forget that kind of love. It is the thing that ought to define everything we say and everything we do in this place. I got in trouble a few years ago for talking too much about love. I did. I was asked the question, why are you always talking about the love of God? foundation of all of it. It's the thing underneath it. This is DNA level stuff. I want to say one more thing. When groups of people share a common mission, a common purpose, and they live that out together, all it does is strengthen the bonds of love and relationship between them. Feel like we've felt that here. You see it on sports teams, right? They spend, they spend their time working towards the same goal, to win games. They practice together. They live together. They want to win championships. And by the end of the season, they're like a family, right? They're like brothers and sisters, right? We just watched the Ames baseball team just last week. It was so fun to watch. They just won the, the sub-state game. They're going to the state tournament. And afterwards, when they won, the pile they made on the field, the amount of butt slaps they gave each other, the hugs, the fist bumps, the tears, it was like these guys belong to one another. They are family. You see it all the time, right? The greatest stories ever told have to do with this. Some of the greatest movies, this story gets told over and over and over again. The plot, this is the plot of countless plays, countless, countless musicals, countless movies. It goes like this. How many times have you seen this? 
two or three people who don't get along very well are forced to go through something together, an ordeal, a problem. They have to face the same enemies or they're, they're forced to make like a long road trip together. And because of their extreme circumstances, these people who don't like each other, who rub each other the wrong way, have to depend on one another, have to lean on one another, have to give themselves away to one another in order for them just to survive. And then by the end of the play, the movie, the show, the musical, all of a sudden they're like best friends, they're family, they're brothers, sisters, their siblings, they belong to one another, they love each other. I just described to you the plot of A New Hope, Star Wars Episode Four. <laughs> right. Go watch it. It is the basic structure of so many of the greatest stories ever told. Right. The same thing happens here with us. It's why we identify with stories like that so deeply. It's why we can watch a movie or a show and shed tears because we know it, we feel it, we live it. As we together give ourselves away to the world, as we gather around mission, work with God to transform the lives of people, the bonds of love between us, they only grow stronger. It only becomes deeper because in God's economy, that's the way it works. There's no other economy like God's economy. The more you give away, the more you love, the more you get back in return. It's absurd. I know it, but that's the divine economy. There's no other community in existence. There's no social club, no work community, no sports team, certainly no government that exists today, and on and on and on. There's no other community in existence that is tasked, commanded even, with providing the kind of grace and love and healing and forgiveness that all of humanity so desperately needs. Only the church only the church. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. Listen to this. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Somehow, some way, as if God needed any help, God's love is made complete when we love one another. Another one of those things that we could talk forever about. If we love one another, God's love is then made complete in us. If we love one another. I said this something like it a couple of weeks ago, as we worship together, as we learn together, as we sing together, as we pray together, as we relate to one another, as we give ourselves to one another, it has this cumulative effect on us week after week after week. And before long, as we continue to give ourselves to one another, give ourselves away to one another, soon, sooner or later we begin to understand that our own hurts are slowly being soothed and healed 
that our own pains are slowly being eased, that our own broken places are slowly being put back together again. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It's foundational. It is the thing beneath everything we do. DNA level stuff. We cannot forget it. Are we in big trouble? Let's pray.